Patrick Fendaro here with Franchise Finding Season 2. Together with my brother Jack, we're going to be going through some of the largest franchises as well as up-and-coming franchises to see if they're a good investment. We look at the franchise costs, the revenue, historical profits, failure rate, and other really important metrics to consider before investing in a franchise. So if you're looking to buy a franchise or think about a startup or an existing business, listen to our podcast as with little time, you'll be able to evaluate a franchise is the right entrepreneurial path for you. Okay, you have uh, Jack Kondoro here along with uh, Marty Wells from Cineholic. Uh, looking very much forward to learning all about the Cineholic uh, franchise and the system and, and what it's all about. So, so Marty, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so much, Jack. It's a pleasure to be here. So why don't you kind of tell us the overview, background, kind of the most important uh, characteristics about Cineholic for uh, an individual that might be interested in becoming a franchisee. We'd love to learn uh, all about it. Oh, absolutely. So um, yeah, again, Jack, thank you for this opportunity and your team has been awesome to work with over the years. So appreciate you guys. And, um, and and thanks for all of you that are listening in right now. Um, Cineholic is very unique. We had a very humble start about 11 years ago, uh, 2010 in Berkeley, California. A uh, young couple, uh, Shannon and Florian Radke, uh, husband and wife team that um, had a vision and a dream and they turned it into reality. Uh, Shannon uh, was a master baker, and over the years, um, she converted her recipes from um, from dairy-based and egg-based to plant-based. And uh, there was a lot of rave reviews from friends and family about her her culinary skills. And and uh, with a little bit of uh, help from friends and family, they decided to open up a small bakery in Berkeley, California, in 2010. It was uh, met with uh, great reviews, um, one of the best of categories in the Bay Area of California. And uh, by 2013, uh, they had a brilliant idea of uh, submitting an application to ABC's Shark Tank. And uh, they were very fortunate that they were accepted. And in May of 2014, uh, season five, episode 28, to be exact, for those of you that want to look it up, uh, they were on air live. They got 10 minutes of fame and glory on a national spotlight. And it was uh, a fantastic uh, experience uh, for them. Uh, at the same time, they were very smart in that they investigated a few franchise consulting companies, which um, I happen to be a part of here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I am the CEO of Martin Franchise Consultants. And uh, they reached out to uh, a former colleague of mine um, who happened to be the founder of Moe's Southwest Grill, and they hit it off. And one thing led to another. And uh, Mr. Dollinger is now our CEO and primary um, investment partner. Uh, we uh, formed the franchise in 2015, started awarding franchises that year. And by 2016, we started opening them up all over the country from places as far as Florida, South Florida, Atlanta, Georgia, uh, South Lake, Texas, across to uh, Las Vegas, and of course, California. So the brand um, had a you know, humble beginning, but had a, a very um, interesting early years with uh, the Shark Tank effect, as we call it. We had a lot of interest in the brand from being on the national stage. 
as well as uh, being uh, one of the only plant-based franchises um, in, in even till today. Uh, back then, you know, seven years ago, it was unique and it is still unique today. So I think we, uh, we fall into uh, a certain niche category, but we also appeal to the masses in that our cinnamon rolls are, um, we, we state as the world's greatest cinnamon roll experience. So when you come in, you get to uh, customize your cinnamon roll with a variety of toppings and uh, frostings. The frostings number around 16 to 18 different flavors. And then the toppings range from uh, fruits to nuts to our decadent chocolate chip cookie dough topping, which is one of our most popular uh, of our products. So the brand uh, has expanded now. So we are at, uh, I'm heading to uh, Scottsdale, Arizona to the sun and warmth uh, uh, in two days for our 60th opening. Uh, we're opening our 60th location. And we have, uh, we counted the other day, we have 76 in development all over the United States and Canada. I might add that we are an international company now. We entered Canada a few years ago and uh, it's been a, a big hit up there uh, from Ontario all the way through British Columbia. So we are in 18 states and four provinces of Canada today. So that's kind of a little bit of the history, Jack, um, uh, and the product. So just wanted to, um, uh, you know, emphasize that we are looking for candidates that have um, just a passion and desire for for uh, for baked goods and or retail or food service. You don't have to have uh, a baking degree or a culinary institute degree to join us. So just uh, just wanted to throw that out there. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Franchise Brokers Association, also known as FBA. They provide custom guidance for franchise buyers in the U.S., FBA has over 100 certified franchise specialists as part of their network, currently working with 350 plus franchise brands. Click the link in the description section to learn how they can help you find the right franchise. FBA has over 15 years of experience. They've placed 2000 plus franchisees across the United States. They take a very personalized approach to selecting and analyzing the best franchise for you. Their approach is also backed by the data that we have at Vetted Biz. So if you're interested in buying or at least exploring a franchise, start your franchise search today with FBA. And again, you can click on the link in the description section for more info. For sure. I really appreciate it. Congrats on the tremendous growth uh, that you've had um, Thank you. over, the, over the past years. Uh, I know it's not easy, but, uh, but, but yeah, kudos to you and the team there. Uh, in terms of, I, I guess, first question I have was, I know if, if I was you know, looking to become a franchisee, I would, I would want to better understand what the Cineholic look for in the franchisees. And maybe in relation to that, what, have, what characteristics do the most successful franchisees have? What kind of backgrounds? Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, you know, I talk to candidates every day. Um, we have a lot of interest in the brand as we're opening up locations. Um, we're starting to get some very passionate fans of the brand. They're customers. Um, they love the concept and they, they feel great about the food. Um, they, they realize that it's, uh, you know, in a great niche. There's not much competition. So the candidate really we're looking for, aside from the obvious, which is the financial qualifications of $75,000 liquid and $300,000 net worth, is the fact that they love working with people. 
They enjoy the public. They enjoy uh, community. Uh, they get involved in uh, the sales and marketing of the product. It it really sells itself. I mean, if you if you bring cinnamon rolls to an office or a building or friends and family, you're going to be welcomed with open arms. So we know that, uh, but you got to get out there and do it. So we are looking for folks that have kind of that that uh, marketing uh, personality where they just enjoy working uh, with folks um, from different walks of life. We work with churches, schools, um, the community, um, uh, you know, neighborhood uh, chambers of commerce and just getting the brand out there. Um, obviously, we uh, would love to you know, assist them in any way possible. We, we offer a great program for training, but at the end of the day, you, you, you do need to become kind of the, the, the cineholic mayor, if you will, of your community within a three to five mile radius or, or more. Uh, we offer delivery and takeout services. So uh, we do weddings, we do bar mitzvahs, we do catered events. So um, if you, if you enjoy those type of environment and, and making people smile and, and uh, selling a fantastic product, then this is definitely the brand for you. Got it, got it. So really what I heard, pe people oriented and the person does not necessarily need a background in the food services industry. Correct. Um, with that in mind, what sort of training uh, do franchisees go through? Yeah, so we offer a very comprehensive training program um, here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we relocated from California about five years ago. Um, so we're very centrally located in the United States, easy accessibility. There is a one full week of training, approximately 40 hours, where you work with all of our department heads and experts. So you'll learn about that sales and marketing aspect. But of course, you know, there is also product 101. We want to train you on how to uh, make a cinnamon roll, make a brownie, a cookie, the chocolate chip. Uh, uh, we have a great um, uh, chocolate chip and cinnadoodle cookie. Um, chocolate chip banana bread, which is new. And then, of course, some of our uh, frozen as well as um, uh, hot beverages. So those are added to our they've added to our program uh, considerably over the years. So we have a, quite a bit of variety now. So all of that is very comprehensive in Atlanta for one week. And then very importantly, we send out a team for the grand opening. Um, this is a little bit unique. Um, I, I work with franchises. That's been my career over the past almost 30 years. And we send a team out to the, the location of the franchise owner to ensure that we reinforce what they learned in training, as well as make sure that their, um, their employees and team uh, hear it from us as well. So it's important, especially in a very high paced environment at a grand opening. Um, we do nothing small. Uh, we, we have the philosophy of go big or go home. So our grand openings are big. They're huge. We have a great PR firm out of Chicago that helps us uh, send out all of the um, uh, public uh, you know, PR announcements coming soon from uh, the location announcement all the way through grand opening and through all the social media cha channels. So typically we have a line down the street, sometimes wrapped, wrapped around the block um, at our grand openings, and it's a lot of excitement. So we, we need to be there. Uh, we know that a lot of the new um, staff um, will, will you know, not be the quickest uh, cinnamon roll makers at the openings, but we'll be there right side by side, elbow to elbow with them to make sure 
that we get the product out the door quickly and efficiently. We are a made from scratch bakery. So which means that we do make our own dough. We make our own cookies. We make our own brownies. We make our own frosting. So it's important that um, all of those skill sets are, um, are reinforced at the opening. Not complicated. So want you know want folks that are viewing this to realize that again you don't have to have a baking or culinary background. It's merely um, a, a recipe on a large scale, just like you you, you made at home with mom and grandma of, over the years. So you, if you baked cookies, um, you know we just do use the raw ingredients and we get it in from in bulk. And uh, we don't have a freezer. None of our product is ever frozen. So it's always very fresh. So all of that, again, we, we have um, a great comprehensive training program one week um, here in Georgia and then one week on site um, and just really support our franchisees 110 percent. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, yeah, I, I definitely see the kind of roadmap as a franchisee uh, you know, leads up to their opening and then the grand opening, which is always a big event. As you mentioned, I've seen the photos. Crowds look big. Uh, people, pe people love uh, the product, obviously. Um, now, what, like, how does it work for the franchisee post opening? Uh, what do they focus on? And then what sort of support do they get? Yeah, initially, um, we want them to make sure that they've kind of built an elite team. Um, these days, there are some challenges um, with, with labor, but we've been able to overcome that in that we have a small staff. Usually there's two or three employees um, at any given time uh, that work um, in, in the bakery. And then once we once they reinforce and, and have a solid foundation for their team, it's again, I, I can't say it enough. It's marketing, sales and marketing, getting outside of the four walls of their business. And just after after the, the sort of the bedlam of the grand opening, um, when things start settling down, they really need to start focusing on. Uh, catering is a big part of our business. Our, our average ticket has jumped over $10 per transaction, but you can get it upwards of $20 a transaction if you focus on cakes, on uh, party trays, on um, big events. We do a lot of outdoor events, um, even indoor events at uh, convention centers. Our product travels very well because it is plant-based. There's no dairy, there's no egg, there's nothing that's going to spoil and it travels so well. So those are things that the franchisee should focus on after the grand opening. Um, usually takes about 30 to 60 days before you become comfortable and you have that great team in place and then allows you to get out of the store. And, and it's, it's fun. Um, people, again, enjoy eating our cinnamon rolls and it's something different. Um, and and it, it, it allows um, for a higher sales volume. Uh, we can get into that in a few moments, but, you know, we're seeing double digit comp sales increases because we're starting to realize that, yeah, you can advertise this on LinkedIn. You don't have to just go on typical social media channels such as Facebook or um, Instagram. You can get on LinkedIn. One of our top grossing franchisees has a whole B2B segment of her business. Um, she's not behind the counter, you know, uh, topping, topping cinnamon rolls. She's actually out in the community building up her business and she's seeing a 20, 25 percent jump in sales over the last two years uh, from year one to year two to year three now. And she's built her second franchise and looking at her third now um, in a short period of under three years. So that's what we that's what we train and we hopefully instill upon our franchisees that 
once things are settled down at the store level, they can start getting into the community and, and, and working, working uh, that base around their store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think you touched on a very interesting point, and I, I think that I'd like to dive into that a little bit more about kind of the unique nature of Cineholic and the offerings because it sits within the food and services, but it's a lower cost. Um, and then it's also, you know, just to understand the competitive environment as well versus whether it's, are they competing against independent bakeries? Is it Cinnabon? Um, just understand that as well. Ice cream who? concepts. Who? who was that? <laughs> no, we, we respect our competitors. So, yeah. so, so what niche, what would you say there are the advantages I guess, how do you define the niche and what are the advantages and the differentiators of Cinehalic? No, that's a very important part of our business strategy um, is the niche plus the the overwhelming um, acceptance of the product, Um, whether you have a plant-based diet or you don't. um, You know, we have about at least a dozen of our franchisees are vegan, um, but then the other, you know, the other 40 plus are not. So, um, interesting that we have a big, um, almost fanatical uh, base of, of customers that enjoy that that fact that we are plant based, and it's a growing it's a growing segment, um, and it cannot be underestimated. Um, there's a lot of um, folks that are, have done it for ethical reasons or dietary reasons. Uh, we have a base of folks from Asia that do it for religious reasons. So that's something that um, is, is great about the brand is that it, it's all encompassing. Uh, we have folks from all over the world that have embraced the brand. So when it comes down to uh, the way we advertise, we do fly a little bit under the radar when it comes to plant-based because we, we want folks to know that you, you don't have to be vegan to enjoy a world-class cinnamon roll. You can have anything. Um, I always joke and say that, you know what? If you have a credit card or cash, come on in. You, you enjoy one of our cinnamon rolls. We don't we don't care what your diet restrictions are. If you're lactose intolerant or or if you have an egg allergy, come on in and knock yourself out and, and enjoy a great cinnamon roll. Um, but we do have some. There's very important um, characteristics that I want to emphasize um, between us and our primary competitor, which you mentioned them. Really, we only have one, which is nice. Um, as far as on a national scale, there are some regional players. But when you look at where they've come in 35 years, it, it's been more through um, uh, real estate in malls, through uh, kiosks and food courts. And that's not our strategy. Our strategy is more to be in the street fronts, in the mixed use lifestyle centers, in um, the downtown urban areas, near colleges and universities and great neighborhoods where people are looking for um, a great dessert that is different and and not the same old, same old that they've gotten for years uh, from our competitors. So that's very important that we emphasize that we have, yes, we have the niches um, such as uh, that we have kosher locations that have been certified kosher. Uh, even halal is a, is a possibility. We don't have any that are certified halal yet, but we can. We don't have any dairy. We don't have any meat. So it's quite easy to get those certifications. Um, and then when it comes down to uh, vegan, vegetarian diets or folks that are um, even bodybuilders, we get folks that are looking for um, different types of proteins in their diet versus um, a protein that might be high in cholesterol. Um, so since we're cholesterol free, 
So definitely we check a lot of boxes, but I would say at the end of the day, we, we want to make sure that folks come out because our product is phenomenal, that they love the taste. They think it's delicious. They love the customization. They want to come back and tell their friends and family just because of the fact that it is different. It's unique. It's, it's, um, and it, and it tastes incredibly great. Um, you know, my favorite is the cookie monster with uh, cookie dough and cream cheese frosting. And my wife loves the strawberries and cream. She likes a traditional cream cheese with uh, sliced strawberries on top. So um, you really can't go wrong. I think there's so many different, I think we have like 3 million varieties. Um, I think someone in, that knows much better about math than I knows there's about 3 million ways of making our cinnamon roll. And that, that's very unique. And I think people enjoy that. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that's a lot. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> Which is great though, so you, you can kind of customize it based off of the user, like the customer's taste, which is what people are really going for these days. Um, of course, yeah. You know, people, yeah, yeah. And we know they're going to come back. We get we get about a ninety-seven percent positive review. Our Google reviews are off the charts. Um, now it's just up to execution. You know, finding a great location, um, which we do have a um, a whole network of real estate brokers across the country that assists a franchisee to find that ideal location. We have site criteria. You know, we've learned a lot over the last five years. You know, were we perfect? Are we perfect? No. But at the end of the day, we kind of know our customer now and we know the type of site we're looking for. So with our great um, network of brokers, real estate brokers across the country, whether you're in Seattle or South Florida or Boston, um, we have you covered there. And if even in some smaller markets that we haven't entered into, uh, just our networking um over the years with other brands and developing other concepts um, has definitely made some great relationships for us that we can utilize uh, moving forward with Cineholic uh, franchise owners. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. So basically they get the, the resources they need to find the proper location, build it out. Yeah, exactly. So with the $39,000 franchise fee, they're able to tap into all of our resources. Um, of course, the basics of the operations, the marketing, the training is comes with that. But it's very important. Location, 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 as the cliche goes, is important in our business. Um, we are a small footprint. I didn't mention this earlier, but we're not a large scale bakery. Pretty much anywhere from you know, a low of 600 square feet um, to a high of maybe 15, 1600 square feet. It just depends on the market, depends on costs per square foot. It just depends on the deal. It depends on the economics of our business model, what we choose. Um, some urban areas, we can go with small footprints. We'll do a lot of delivery and catering. And then some of the suburban or smaller cities may be able to get a larger footprint location uh, where there's a little bit more dine-in. Um, but, you know, during the pandemic, dine-in was not a consideration and we thrived. We were up double digits. Some stores were up 30, 40% in sales um, at the, since the start of the pandemic, even till today, because we have a very robust online ordering system where you can either order it to take out or order it through third-party delivery. So those are things that really um, set us apart in the dessert category, especially, and, and provided those double-digit comp sales over the last two years. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Having a, a robust delivery, um, you know, whether it's application, online ordering, and then also, uh, yeah, the whole logistics of it is, is huge. So that's great. Yes, it is. The digital, yeah, the digital experience is ever-evolving, and um, we have partnered with DoorDash, and um, they've, they've given us some great rates. So we do use the others. We use Uber Eats and Grubhub, et cetera. 
but we certainly realize the power of the delivery program. And even post-pandemic, it's going to grow. Um, millennials, uh, which I have um, several of which in my children's ages, um, but they they certainly like that that convenience factor, and they're willing to spend a few extra dollars um, to get a, a cinnamon roll delivered um, to their front door with a with a with a pizza or something. I don't know. They they deliver everything these days, so you can get everything at your front door that your heart desires. <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, no, no question. Um, millennials really value convenience, for sure. Yeah, correct, correct. Um, I do have to train them to balance a checkbook, though, but that'll come later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Convenience, yeah, it always comes with the cost of those, those delivery fees. Um, yeah, apps. exactly. <laughs> but uh, I did want to ask, you, I thought you brought up a really interesting point, and that's something that, from, from my standpoint, is uh, a really also kind of defining uh, beneficial characteristic of Sinaholic, which is the fact that it sits within the food and beverage industry, right? Uh, of franchising, but right. it's it's one of the lowest cost concepts we've come across, you know, o- other than these, you know, kind of kiosk models, which aren't, you know, the full fledged sure. location. Yeah. And, and why, why is that? If you don't mind kind of uh, talking about that, because I think it's a very attractive standpoint from like a yeah. investors. Yeah, no, that's a great, great segue into the total investment. Um, we, we happen to have a small footprint, number one, as I mentioned, that's 600 you know, to 1400 square foot range with the average store being a thousand square feet from, so just from a pure materials and construction cost that keeps the investment reasonable. Our equipment package happens to be also uh, rather nominal because we don't have a freezer. Uh, We usually have just a small walk-in cooler and or a a three-door cooler in the back with a few refrigeration pieces in the front. Um, we do have a turnkey equipment supplier now, so that equipment is virtually about $60,000 all in. Um, construction costs are going to range you know, from, say, $75,000 to $175,000, depending on your market and depending on what the space requires. But overall, even when you add that up, it's from the high 100s to the mid 200s. Yes, there is a franchise fee. Yes, there are there is going to be some working capital required. You know, um, whether you go, um, whether you use personal funds or you go through SBA or use a rollover, um, it, it, it we have a you know we have lenders by the way to help you through the fi- financing process. But yeah, that's an important um, uh, fact: is that we are in the two hundreds, um, two hundred fifty thousand is very reasonable for a, uh, a business startup, especially in food and beverage. And that's how we keep our costs low. It's small footprint, uh, relatively low equipment package and easy build out. We have um, everything modular. It's set in place in the front of the front of the house. And then uh, from the stainless steel equipment, the sinks, the cabinets, the, um, the shelving, the tables, all of that is brought in and just rolled into place. Um, so quite simple. We also work with landlords to see if we can get money back. As I mentioned, our real estate team will assist and try to get some money back in form of uh, tenant improvement allowances. So sometimes we may get back sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars towards that build out, which is wow. which is awesome because then you can end up, you know, the total investment could come in under two hundred thousand. So you know, it's just something that we we provide as far as um, support when it comes to real estate, but at the end of the day, you know, the costs speak for themselves. I think they're, it's a very reasonable range 
and the fact that we only require like about 75,000 in liquid assets and a $300,000 net worth definitely puts us in a category where a lot more folks can afford to get into business for themselves. Precisely. Yeah, it's a very attractive price point at the end of the day due to all the factors you mentioned. Yeah, exactly. Now, from my end, I don't have uh, any other uh, questions in particular. Was there anything else you wanted to, uh, to go over? I, I, I'll say one, one thing I actually do remember is if someone was to, you know, listen to this, watch this video, uh, what, what would be the steps, the whole process to potentially becoming a franchisee of Synaholic? Yeah. So um, first is is a, a discussion with yours truly. So basically they can um, go through your office or um, they can go online. Um, obviously, Cineholic.com. We have a franchise page so they can fill out the app and information there online. Um, they, they will get through to myself and, and my assistant. So uh, we have a small team here at, at corporate. So what happens is um, once we go over an interview similar to what we're doing now, um, and I uh, will go over their background experience, get to know them a little better. It's about building relationships. Um, a franchise is a partnership. So we want to make sure it's a 10 year franchise agreement with a 10 year renewal option. So we, you know, we take it seriously and hopefully they do too. So once we go through the process of getting to know each other, they complete an application. Once the application comes back and there's a pre-qualification uh, with our team, we go ahead and we send out a franchise disclosure document for them to review. We are registered in 46. Well, we're in all registration states except for four. We're not currently taking applications in um, Hawaii, Alaska, and the Dakotas. Um, sorry, Dakotas, uh, although I would love to get to Hawaii. Um, but with that said, we are expanding all over the country. Um, so there's opportunities in all of the other states, as I mentioned. There are some areas that are sold out, so we will identify those. I won't go over those right now, but um, certainly we have the discussion about territory which is important. Um, cities, the cities should be either part of a major metropolitan area or they are um, in a city that would have at least 100,000 in population. We're currently not looking in rural towns at this time. Um, you know, we'll, we'll analyze each market on a one-on-one -on -one basis, but uh, you know, mostly major metro areas is where we're focused. So once we establish that, we get the FDD out, we do an FDD review call, and then we uh, schedule either a virtual or in-person discovery day here in Atlanta. So uh, with the onset of COVID, we've all gotten accustomed to having these types of interviews and virtual meetings. So um, I'll be in Phoenix later this week and I'll be meeting two of our franchisees for the first time in person. So got to know them really well online and over the, you know, over uh, our, our conference and virtual calls. So with that said, those are, that's the process. Um, once you are awarded a franchise, we send out the agreements via DocuSign and then the uh, funds are transferred via wire transfer. And uh, we make it easy. We make it simple, not a drawn out process. I'm a decision maker along with our CEO and um, our, one of our other vice presidents. So we, we work together as a team, um, but not a lot of layers of management right now. You get to work directly with a lot of the, uh, the executives of the company and uh, everyone wears a lot of different hats. So I'm uh, wearing my sales hat today, but yeah, so I walk, walk them through the process and, and kind of stay in touch pretty much on a weekly or bi-weekly basis as, as necessary. Fantastic. It's, it's very straightforward and uh, obviously you guys have uh, done this a lot. So the process is streamlined. Hopefully someone listening to this 
you know, we're watching this video, the process is even more streamlined. So that's, that's our goal. Absolutely. Yeah, no, this has been wonderful, Jack. I appreciate, I appreciate the time and the opportunity you gave me to discuss Cineholic. For sure. For sure. Well, well, Marty, thanks again. We'll let you go. And, uh, and yeah, hopefully see you again soon. All right. Thanks, Jack. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. If you found today's learnings helpful for your entrepreneurial endeavors, I encourage you to follow us on our Vetted Biz YouTube channel. Also, our podcast episodes are available on every major podcast network. This includes Spotify, Google, and Apple. For Apple Podcasts, you can actually leave us up to a five-star rating and also give comments to see what type of feedback you'd like to see for future episodes. If you prefer, email me at patrick at vettedbiz.com with any questions, feedback, or suggested topics for future podcast episodes. Thanks again for listening today.